Steeler fans, you are tuning in to Know Your Enemy. Uh, just in the nick of time, Jeffrey Benedict uh, joins us here live. Of course, my name is Michael Beck, your deputy editor behind the SteelCurtain.com. And we have a special, very special guest this week, Joe Valerio, former Kansas City Chief himself. Joe, how you doing tonight, sir? And oh. excuse me if I butchered your last name. Oh, no worries, Michael. Great to be on. Jeffrey, nice to see you. Uh, thanks for having me on. You know, look, I... I'm just I'm just down the road here in Philadelphia from Pittsburgh, and as I was telling Michael before we start recruiting, I started recording. You know, Pittsburgh was always my AFC team next to my my hometown Eagles. So, a special place in my heart for, for Pittsburgh. My wife's family is originally from Coriopolis. Uh, my my wife's grandparents met on the roller coaster at Kennywood. Very romantic at a school picnic. So I love Pittsburgh. We used to go out there. I used to work out there all the time for work and just, uh, you know, get my Primanti's brothers, my Jenny Lee Bakery, which I know is not around anymore. But a lot, a lot, of, a lot of big places in the heart for, for, for Pittsburgh. Yeah, that that is awesome. Now, for, for the game itself here, obviously the Steelers, uh, it, it really came down to the last second of the NFL season for them to qualify for the playoffs. A little bit different for the Chiefs. Can, can you just uh, let us know how it's kind of how the season's kind of gone as a whole for Kansas City and how they kind of sit right now entering this wildcard weekend? Yeah, I mean, look, everybody knows if you, you, know, you follow the AFC and a lot of people follow the Chiefs because of their recent success and they like the sort of the star quality of their offense, especially. Um, but you know they had they had a rough start. I mean it was it was rough there for a beginning for the beginning, and I think a lot of it was if you you look back and reflect on the season, you know, and covering them on the Believe in Chiefs podcast, you know, it's like if for me it was it was all about the defense. It, it was the defensive struggles, you know, that were forcing Patrick Mahomes to make decisions that I don't think he was used to having to make, uh, trying to keep himself on the field, forcing plays you know, really taking the weight of the entire Midwest onto his shoulders and carrying the franchise. And I think that hurt him. And I think it hurt the organization early on. I think once the defense found its stride, which I think Coach Spagnola, the defense coordinator, knew he would in getting the right pieces in place. You know, he they moved a few things around this year, obviously drafting Nick Bolton, uh, you know, had some some work to do in the linebacking core moving Chris Jones to more interior play and moving him from the outside pass rush, p- picking up, uh, you know, uh, you know, uh, s- some guys in the middle to shore up the defensive line. It just, you know, um, Jalen bringing in uh, Jalen Reed. It just, it, it was, it was, a, it was a rough transition for the defense. And I think that that ripple effect of it took the offense out of its game. And, and I think once they found their stride, you probably saw, if you follow them at all, and they did get a lot of national airtime. I mean, the Chiefs were lucky this year. I mean, just because I think because of the the Super Bowl runs that they've been on, I think they they got a lot of national presence. So people have, have watched them play, and and you saw that last seven eight games. It was like this whew, this crescendo, um, and I think a lot of it had to deal to do with the fact that the the defense found its found its way, and that put Patrick Mahomes back in a better place. So, you know, that's kind of like my look back, quick, you know two-minute look back on the season and where they are, I still think it's a team that has a lot of improvement. You, even though, you know, you, you talk about the last three years and the Super Bowl run and the Super Bowl win and everything, there's a lot of improvement I think this team still has ahead of it. And if they continue to wait for Patrick Mahomes to win games, I think that's going to come back and bite them in the future. Now, the Chiefs against Pittsburgh uh, had a fantastic game. But after that game, uh, they lost to the Bengals, 
and then struggled with the Denver Broncos before finally winning that game. Uh, is that a return of kind of not playing well? Were they having some kind of little struggles there? Or do you think that was more that they had clinched everything and, and kind of didn't have anything to play for? Well, Jeffrey, I think, you know, as an ex-player, like the last thing you ever want to do is admit that you take the foot off the gas pedal and, and, and as a professional athlete. And I, and I think, you know, it happens sometimes. And I, 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 don't, I don't know if it was that. I think they, they came out of that Steelers game you know, I think they're looking at the at the rest of the season. You know, everybody's worried about COVID protocols. Everybody's worried about who's going to be playing, who's healthy, who do we rest, when do we rest them? And, you know, right now that number one seed is extremely coveted. So I would hope that it wasn't the players and the coaches taking their foot off the gas. Um, I, I think I think a lot of a lot of it had to do with, believe it or not, I think a lot of it has to do with their inability to really commit to the run game they say they're going to you you get a sense that they're going to but it always comes down to depending on patrick mahomes hitting kelsey at the right time hitting tyreek hill at the right time and i was as a lineman of course i would like to see them commit more to the run game and make teams stop them in the run because when you do that it to me it opens up your whole playbook Right. Like if, if you can get a Clyde Edwards Hilaire or, you know, or, or a Daryl Williams or even Gore now is really, you know, is really coming into his own. He's a very patient runner. And then you can get the jet sweeps in with Tyreek and Pringle and Hardman. Like if you can work that run game in, it just to, to me, it just gives you more options and they're not committing to the run. They just always want to rely on Patrick to make a big play. And it's a little bit frustrating as a, as a fan who's followed them all this time uh, over the last several years, especially to see them not get into a rhythm with the running game. Cause I think that could, cause that's what they didn't do against the Bengals. Uh, they didn't do it against the Broncos. And, you know, I just, I, I just keep hoping they're going to learn from these wins and losses and they don't seem to be. Now, I guess the kind of big elephant in the room for this game is that the Steelers are overwhelming underdogs in this one. Uh, like uh, Kansas City is, uh, I think at this point, it's favored by 13 and a half points to win this game. And of course, uh, in week 16, the Chiefs did a number on the Steelers in Arrowhead Stadium, which uh, again, will play host to this game. In, in a way, does this make the Steelers more dangerous because they're able to play with like just so loose because there's no expectation of them to win this game. Does the lack of pressure mean a team can play better and make them more of a threat? Of course it does, Michael. Absolutely. Look, number one, number one, this is a Mike Tomlin coach team. And I have the utmost respect for that guy, right? You don't go 15 seasons and not have a losing season if you don't know what you're doing. And because you see what's the old joke, right? What's NFL stand for? Not for long. You're seeing that right now, right? Fangio's out. The Giants coach is out. Like, People are just, you know, they're they're bailing on these coaches after two, three seasons. Um, some some coaches don't even make it a full season, as we saw down in Jacksonville. But like the 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 when you're when you're when you're playing in a situation that's almost a no lose situation for the Steelers, right? When you think about it, you, you mentioned it earlier. You know, this is a team that came down to literally literally the last second of the season, right? That that late night Broncos Chargers or. Uh, Raiders Chargers game that I quite frankly couldn't even stay up for, even though it was super exciting. And I followed the AFC West. I could, I was late. I was tired. I was like, I fell asleep. I woke up. They were winning. I was like, 
And, and I think, you know, when you have that kind of momentum going on your side, only good things can happen, you know, and if they're going to take all the pressure on themselves, Ben's going to be playing his heart out, you know, could, you know, could be right. Could be his last game. And I just think they've got the the Steelers have a lot going for them right now. And I think it's two really well coached teams and it's going to come down. I think some real intangibles. I, I, I do not like that line. I think that line is, is is almost bogus because it's the playoffs. And I remember in 1993 season, um, we were around the same kind of an underdog playing the Houston Oilers down in Houston with, with Joe Montana in his first season in Kansas City. And we went down there and we handed it to him. And because we had nothing to lose. It was Joe Montana's, you know, we, ju- we had just come off beating the Steelers in overtime the week before at Arrowhead. Um, on a, on a literally a fourth down last second touchdown that Joe Montana threw and watching Bill Cowers face dejected face. It was like, cause I love Bill. Cause Bill was, a, he was my coach in Kansas city and he was, you know, he was there when I was there. And then he goes you know, as Marty's mentor or mentee. And he goes to, to Pittsburgh and like, so going back long answer to a, a short question like that, th- those, th- these playoff lines are to me, they're almost immaterial. It's the playoffs. Like these are, these are these teams have championship DNA. Ben Roethlisberger has championship DNA. Mike Tomlin Tomlin has championship DNA. So, I think that line is almost to a degree bogus because, yeah, the, the you know the Steelers are struggling a little bit in the run game. They've dropped in the, in the stats there. They're they're not you know super highly ranked. They're actually last right in the run game uh, on defense. But man, they're they're stout up front. So if the Chiefs take you know, if they take a moment's pause here, it could come back and bite them if they think they're going to throw their helmet out there and win this game. Uh, you you brought up uh, Coach Tomlin. Obviously, uh, Kansas City has Andy Reid. Uh, Pittsburgh has Ben Roethlisberger. Kansas City has Patrick Mahomes. But I want to ask you about a different matchup, and that is on the defensive side, where Pittsburgh has T.J. Watt, who's obviously having a phenomenal season. But Kansas City has their own game-wrecking guy up front. Uh, in in Jones, uh, tell tell us tell us what you expect to see from him. Well, you know, Chris Jones is a different kind of pass rusher, you know, and that's why they moved him inside. They felt like he could be a little bit more effective. He's tall, he's big. He doesn't have while he has a fantastic motor. Don't get me wrong, he does not have a T.J. Watt type motor, right? T.J. Watt, you know, he harkens back to. If you if you can think back to some of, of uh, you know the Vikings teams in the '90s like a, a John Randall or a Chris Dolman, right? Pit Pit guy, right? Chris mm-hmm. Dolman, like um, like they, they that's more more of that motor. That Derek Thomas, right, has more of that T.J. Watt. Chris Jones is more of a methodical pass rusher. He's big. He's tall. Um, you know, he's he's more. I want to say not that TJ Watt doesn't have great technique, but he definitely relies more on his technique and his size than he does his motor. And, and I think that's why they're a little bit different. I think that's why they wanted to move Chris inside. If they think if they could be, you know, if they could be more effective. Now the complimentary, you know, with Jaron Reed, that's sort of the complementary piece to the puzzle that I think the chiefs finally got right. And that's why their defense went from the basement to the penthouse pretty fast when Steve Spagnola finally figured out that sort of um, magic formula of when they, when he could work those two and when he could bring pressure onto quarterbacks with those two in the game. So I, I think they're, they're different 
And I, you know, TJ Watt, if I'm if I'm if I'm Eric Bieniemy, the offensive coordinator of the Chiefs, I'm going to run the ball until somebody stops me, because I think that's how you that's how you negate you know the incredible pass rush of the Steelers. Now, granted, they're stout in the middle too, but I think you try to run the ball to get those guys on their heels a little bit so they can't pin their ears back. Maybe even run it right at TJ. You know, and that's what that's what teams used to do to Derek Thomas. Like if you go back to you know, probably one of the premier pass rushers of the 90s, right? Um, teams would run right at him because you definitely didn't want to run away from him because <laughs> he's either tracking it down or he's getting a sack um, mm-hmm. if you pass. So, you know, that's what I think the Chiefs should do if they're going to try to negate it because of his motor and his ability to rush the passer. And and and, when, and especially when TJ, if he rushes off of the Chiefs' right side, his left, and he forces Patrick to the left because that's where Pat is definitely less effective. He's definitely less effective when he sheds the pocket and moves a little bit to his left. He just doesn't, he's just not as comfortable as he is when he goes right. So he definitely doesn't want to run into TJ. He's going to try to run away from him. And that's what the Steelers are going to want him to do. So the last time these two teams met, of course, just a couple weeks ago, both uh, injury and uh, COVID was kind of running rampant on either roster. Um, for this week's game, do you anticipate any kind of different uh, names being out or uh, what uh, the health kind of looks like for the Chiefs entering this matchup? Yeah, they seem to be, knock on wood, everybody seems to be pretty healthy, um, you know, both both dealing with you know, any COVID protocols that, that, that there might be out there or just, you know, straight up good old good old old fashioned physical injury right now they got these like you get these two kind of schools of injury you got the covid stuff and then you've got the old school you know old fashioned injuries um i don't see i don't i think the chiefs are going to be pretty full strength they're lucky you know they got that extra day which was good right coming off a saturday game and then playing on the sunday night matchup um which is which is kind of nice so they got they got that extra day andy reed's always good always good with an extra day you give andy reed and his coaching staff time they're going to they're going to you know, they're going to, they're going to use it. You know, these coaches are probably working 20 hours a day at this point because it's one or done. Right. And, and they can't afford to, to make a, to make a mistake. And I think that's what, you know, what will be a little bit of an edge for the, for the chiefs is, is having that extra day and really having this team pretty much at, at, at full strength other than, you know, a couple of dings on the offensive line, but they've got so much depth up there that, you know, they really haven't missed a beat. Um, and that's probably, on the offense, besides Patrick Travis and, and Tyreek Hill, the offensive line is probably their biggest bright spot right now. Yeah, on that offensive line, uh, one of the players we we liked here cutting into the draft uh, was Creed Humphrey. Uh, he has had an absolutely phenomenal season. Can you can you uh, tell us from an offensive lineman's perspective what he's been able to pull off as a rookie? Yeah, I mean, and doing it as a left-handed center. I know people don't think they think that's oh well, that's you know, oh, what's one hand compared to the other? It makes a difference, you know. I mean, um, he he's 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 fit right in with the culture of the team. Um, he's he's very humble. Uh, he's very happy to be where he's at, but he still carries himself with some swagger that you want a starter to have. So he really has a great combination of rookie attributes that you're looking for, right? He played it you know, fantastic, you know, pedigree coming out of college. Uh, he's got that humility that a rookie needs to learn and to be a student of the game, but he also has a lot of confidence, which is what you want. So I, I think that's really, if you roll him all up in one, he has been, um, you know, he's been 
you know, probably the the brightest spot. I know the Orlando Brown was a huge trade. You know, your left tackle is the premier spot. But for me right now, the real strength is is that three interior, the three interior guys. I mean, you know, they've had a little bit of a rotating uh, door at uh, right tackle, right? We started the season with Lucas Niang, who was a COVID holdover rookie, right? He, he sat out his rookie year. And then, so technically this was really his rookie year, if you think about it, even though he's not technically a rookie. But, um, so he, he struggled a little bit early and they replaced him with Mike Remmers and then Mike Remmers got hurt. And now we have Andrew Wiley, who is a starter, by the way. He was a starter on the Super Bowl team at right guard. So, um, you know, this, this team um, basically has 10 starters on its offensive line. If you look at the up and down their, pet, their, their resumes, they're all starters. Even, you know, like Nick Allegretti, who's a backup guard and centers, has started a whole season. Um, you know, when you're trading away, uh, you know, Laurent Duvernay-Tardif, who went to the Jets, when you're trading away a guy like that, who's that productive, you know you're deep. And that's what Brett Beach was not going to let happen this year, the debacle that was the Super Bowl last year with that, you know, horrific offensive line play. So, you know, Jeffrey, that was a long, another long answer to a short question, but I, I really like Creed Humphrey. I like the way that he's fit in. I think the strength of the team is in, inside, um, and, and obviously Orlando Brown is, is having a fantastic season, Pro Bowl season, but I think the real strength of the line is, is inside, and that starts with Creed Humphrey. Now, the last time Steelers and Chiefs uh, played one another, uh, Travis Kelsey was out, uh, but it wasn't Tyreek Hill who really uh, took all that production uh when he was not on the field, but uh, it's Byron Pringle who really kind of killed the Steelers in that game. Um, Do you think that's more of a matchup thing where uh, like a secondary type receiving target um, could uh, go off in this game? Or was that just kind of the circumstances of that week 16 matchup? Yeah, no, that's a really good question, Michael, and a great observation. You know, the, the one thing about this Chiefs team is somebody in the receiving core, and, and we'll, we'll lump Travis into that because, you know, I mean, he, he can block, but let's just call him a big receiver, right? Somebody always seems to step up. Um, Eric Bieniemy's playbook, for some reason, has uh, – he, he has a knack as a coach, and the way that he develops his playbook, it, it sets players up for success in the passing game, the way they use their speed and the way they stretch the field both – horizontally and vertically. And I think that's what gives teams a lot of fits is that they're, while they have the speed to go deep, you don't see them go deep. And of course, Mahomes, you've seen it. He has the arm to go deep, but you know, they really win in the eight to 14 yard range is where, where I see their success come in the passing game. And I think, I think because of that, it allows receivers to shine no matter whether you're Kelsey or Tyreek Hill. It, it gives even a secondary or tertiary receiver like a Hardman or a Pringle or even one of their other tight ends, Blake Bell, for example, it gives them a chance to be successful because you're not always relying on the deep ball. You're not always relying on the um, the, the sort of the, the timing of a route, so to speak. Um, what, what, the, what the Chiefs rely on is Patrick Mahomes taking that one extra second to let his players ad lib and do their thing. And I think that's why Pringle was really successful in that game against the Steelers. Well, I think your mic's off, Jeffrey. Sorry. Uh, you brought up the Chiefs offensive system there a little bit. 
Uh, how much of the cheese offense is kind of the staple, like Andy Reid offense? Uh, we've seen all those years in Philadelphia and Kansas City. Uh, are there any wrinkles, any changes that have really come about in that offense, or is it still kind of the same Andy Reid system? Yeah, I think when he got together with Eric Bieniemy, I I think they I think they put a little bit more emphasis, um, believe it or not, on the passing game. I, I think when you go back uh, and you watch those Philadelphia teams, they definitely gave Donovan McNabb a little bit more of a chance to succeed and open up the playbook by committing more to the run. I think as Andy has developed this playbook with Eric Bieniemy, it seems to me you know, looking at it and the observations I've made is that they they definitely rely on is probably the wrong term, but they're so dependent on the passing game, and and it's 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 actually a source of frustration. There's a I was talking with a, a an old All Pro fullback, a friend of mine, Kimball Anders, who who actually started with the Steelers um, back in the um, I, I think I want to say late '80s, early '90s, and then we ended up being teammates in Kansas City for all of my career. And then he went on to have even more success after I retired. But, uh, you know, Kimball, you know, look, he's, of course he's a running back and he's going to want teams to commit to the run, but we were just, we were chatting that that's probably one of our frustrations is that as ex players were like, God, just, if you just commit to the run game, it'll give you so many more opportunities. And I think that's what Andy hasn't done. And the one big difference of the playbook in Kansas city is a little bit more reliance on the pass and a little bit more reliance on, you know, this whole kind of like RPO type style stuff that, you know, that has come out. Um, For this game as well, like we've seen the Steelers kind of offensive struggle in a number of situations this year, of course, but is there any spots along that Chiefs defense that uh, the Steelers might be able to take advantage of some matchups with the football when the, the Steelers are on offense? Well, I think, I think if they, if, if they try to commit to the run early, um, I think that could be that that's always been an issue for for the Chiefs, right? It, historically, I know they had a spike where it seemed like their rush defense was really peaking. Um, but to me, it's still the scariest part because their linebacking core is still young and they're not real big. You know, if you look at their linebackers, they're lean, they're fast, they're athletic. They're not, you know, they're not like the Ray Lewis type linebackers that you saw, you know, in, in the two thousands, right. Where, where you just teams would just stack this big stud in the middle and, and let them do their thing and fill holes and, and really hit running backs under the chin. And I, I think that's the one thing that the, the chiefs don't have, they rely on their scheme and getting more people in the box, like getting, bringing up a Tyron Matthew and having him as almost like the, the other linebacker. Cause the chiefs run, the Chiefs, for all intents and purposes, run what's called like a four-two-five. It's it's a four-down lineman, two linebacker, five. It's, so it's nickel basically all the time. Except Tyron Matthews, like a, you know, he's kind of like a, a a linebacker in a defensive defensive back's body. So I, I think to me, it's still the run game, and and it's always been the intermediate passing game. The Chiefs very rarely, very rarely get beat deep. You you don't see them, you know, giving up the big, big play. When you go in the, into the stat line and you, and you look at teams that have done really well against the Chiefs defense, their their average yard, yard per catch is like seven, 
eight yards. Like it's that almost, ex, it's almost like an extended run game, you know, because there, it, it, and then it becomes about time of possession, right? You get, so you throw the ball on first down and you, and you throw an eight yard, eight, nine yard, and then it's second and one. Then you can do whatever you want. You can run it to get the first, you can take a shot at a deeper route, you know, and then run it on third down. Like that's, that's the way the chiefs get beat. They get beat when, when teams eat up the clock and keep Patrick Mahomes off the field. For the Steelers on defense, uh, what would you say the best way to attack the Kansas City Chiefs is to try and have success against them? What have, what have teams had success doing? Uh, how can the Steelers slow down the Chiefs' offense? I, well, I think w- one thing is um, I, I call it a mush rush on defense. Like, for me – I think when the when the defensive front rushes in a very methodical manner up the field and don't give like picture like you know picture a traditional pass rush right where you got a TJ Watt coming around the edge and you got your two defensive ends coming around the edge and you got your your defensive tackles trying to bull rush up the middle or make a move or do a stunt and then maybe you're bringing some pressure off of you know the C gap which would be like off tackle right with a safety um, or you try to bring a linebacker up the middle Patrick never has a problem with those kind of rush schemes he because what he does is he finds I call it the pocket within the pocket so like he will he has uncanny eyes like an ability to just step up and get that one extra second that he needs. So the teams that have had success, um, and, and you and you you look at what you know what what like the Buccaneers did is they did what was like a mush rush. It wasn't like it wasn't like the defensive tackles and defensive ends were shadowing him or mirroring him, but they were slowly, methodically moving up the field to and not allowing those little crevices and gaps for Patrick to step up into. And teams that have done that have given him a problem because he doesn't have the vision, right, to get that extra second because you watch most of, you know, Tyreek Hill and Travis, most of their 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 receptions are based off of not just poor coverage, but on their ability to take that extra second to get into the open space and read the defense, right? And, and when you take that away from Patrick and he can't find that, that's when he struggles and he'll make some errant throws. So if I'm a, I, tr- I would try to teach my defensive lineman how to rush a little bit more methodically and not create too many gaps or crevices for him to step up into. And it's almost as if I don't want to say shadowing him or, or, or just stalking him, but just don't, don't overcommit your rush. And when you do, when teams that have done that have gotten in his face, Pat, um, Tom Brady's the same way. Tom doesn't like that rush right up the middle. And if you can, if you, you know, if you can rush that way, that's how the Eagles beat the, beat the Patriots in the Super Bowl. You know, uh, when they won, they did. They just didn't allow uh, Tom Brady to have vision. And that's what I would do if I were the Steelers. Now, earlier we did chat a little bit about how the uh, the Steelers are pretty big uh, underdogs in this matchup. Say they are able to pull off this upset, and it would be pretty monumental. I know a lot of people around the league would uh, would definitely be surprised, uh, I mean, even though it is the playoffs like we did talk about. But what what would you kind of think the, the backlash would be like within Kansas City? Would, would fans be wanting – would they be calling for jobs? Or uh, what, uh, what if, if the seemingly unthinkable happened in the, in the fans' uh, realm, what would the backlash look like? 
That's a good, that's a great question, Michael. Um, because it's it's hard, right? I mean, I, I I'm gonna I'm not trying to divert the question, but like I saw it today. I'm you know I'm watching ESPN and you know Jerry Jones is on there and he's like Super Bowl or bust, right? And I, I have a feeling if if that same thing happened to Dallas, I think I think Mike McCarthy's gone. I, I think I think you'll see a complete revamping of of the Dallas Cowboys, um, in some form or fashion if if they don't win this at least this first playoff game. Um, flipping it back to your question to the to the Chiefs, I don't know if there's that kind of a mentality from the Hunt family and the ownership and what they're building and how they're building this organization out. I think they're a patient fan base. I mean, of course, they want to see the, the Chiefs get back because they do have the same relative talent base that got them to a couple of Super Bowls. I don't think they'd be calling for heads. I know they'd be frustrated. Um, but I think given the history of this season, people would probably take an objective view, look back on it and say, hmm, we had our struggles this year and we've got some holes to fill. And I'm not saying it's a rebuilding year if they don't win this this first one, but it's definitely a reloading year for them. Now, we are approaching that 30-minute mark. Uh, we, we always like to ask our special guests uh, what they think the, the final score of the game will be. Do, do you have any predictions, Joe, of how this one will wrap up? Well, I, I, it's definitely, I absolutely can tell you this. It is not going to be like that game in week 16. I know that for a fact. That's not good. That doesn't happen to guys with championship DNA, like a Mike Tomlin and a Ben Roethlisberger. It's just not going to happen. It just doesn't happen twice in a season. I, I can almost guarantee that. Um, what, you know, with the Chiefs fan base that, you know, I, I work for, would they like to see that? Absolutely. And, you know, I'll probably, probably get some, I'll get some flack for that for for not thinking that it's going to be that way, but I think you have to take an objective look at this. Even as a, even as a rabid Chiefs fan, this is going to be a, a this is going to be a battle. Um, I think I think the Chiefs do win. Just to be honest, I, I, if I had to make a prediction, but I'm telling you, I'm not. I think the Vegas line is ridiculous, and I, I think it's going to be a seven point game. Hmm. Um, I think I think the Chiefs win 28-21, and just you know being honest. I think the Chiefs will be ahead most of the game. They've been really good at starting out fast. They're at home. You know, if they get a quick start, I think they'll I think the Chiefs will now this is best case scenario. The Chiefs will methodically score and it will be, you know, like 21-14, maybe somewhere in the fourth quarter, and then the Steelers might score one, and then the Chiefs might just, you know, run out the clock. And that's how I think you get to 21, 28, 21. However, look, it, it, it's, it's, it's the NFL. It's the playoffs. It's Mike Tomlin. It's Ben Roethlisberger. It's a great coaching staff versus a great coaching staff. So I could absolutely see a couple of balls bounce the wrong way. You have some special teams guffaws, which the Chiefs have had in the last two weeks, right? We had, you know, we had the holding call that cost them, almost cost them the Bengals game, really, if you think about it, right? The holding call on, on the uh, kickoff kick return. Um, you know, you had the roughing the punter against the Broncos, which was a silly penalty. Same guy, of course. Um, and, you know, uh, Harrison Bucker slipping all over the place, you know, with his footing on a bad field. Like both of those games could have come down to special teams. So you never know. You never know. And, and I think it's, uh, you know, it, it could be it could be closer than closer game than, than people think. I think that line is a little a little off. Hey, and you know what? I think any Steeler fan wouldn't really even be upset if they lost by seven. I think that'd be a, a pretty decent experience for the, the younger players on this team that weren't even supposed to see the playoffs this year as it is. But 
Joe, before we say bye to you, uh, is there anything you want to plug for the people? Oh, no. Yeah. If anybody, you know, uh, ever gets a shot and you want to listen to our, our Believe in Chiefs podcast with my partner, Jeff Fedoten, it's on the Believe Podcast Network. Uh, I'm at Joe Valerio 73 on Twitter. Um, yeah, I'm, you know, and, and, and again, it's not all Chiefs all the time. We, we, we try to talk about offensive line play. We try to talk about the whole the league as a whole. And we, and we really just chop up football. Um, and, and I, and I just want to say, you know, good luck to all the Steelers fans. I, you know, huge, like I said earlier, huge place in my heart for Pittsburgh, uh, you know, right down, right down I 76 and, uh, you know, love the city, love the grit of this team, the way they hung in there, never gave up. I I think this is a, I think this is a really good matchup for football and for football fans to see, you know, the, the, the Pittsburgh Steelers have a lot of gravity, man. That's, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's NFL royalty. And, and I hope that, uh, you know, the, the, the Steelers fans, you know, build on this and we see a chief Steelers matchup, you know, for, for many years to come. Cause it's, it's, it's a fantastic organization and a great fan base. So best of luck to all the, all the Steelers fans out there and, and uh, enjoy the game. Awesome. Thanks, Joe. I hope you also enjoy the game. Thank you so much for your time tonight. Uh, thanks guys. Nice to meet you, Jeffrey, Michael, anytime. Thank oh, you. our player. Thanks again. So, uh, you got it. Jeffrey and I will now continue on here talking about the Steelers side of things, of course, as uh, we say bye to Joe, of course. Um, Jeffrey, the Steelers weren't supposed to make the playoffs. Uh, we're sitting here after that crazy Sunday. And a matter of fact, they're the seventh seed. They made it. Uh, everything they needed to have happen did happen. And we're sitting here with the playoff game. Uh, what? Just talk me through what Sunday was like for you and whether or not you even watched that Sunday night or being out there on that Eastern time zone. I I did watch the Sunday night game. Uh, I ended up turning it off. I was going to go to bed because I'm like, I just, I can't. And I ended up staying up. I ended up following it online. It was crazy. Turned it back on, watched the flash kick. It was, it was ridiculous. Uh, I also, I had a commitment on Monday. I couldn't record my podcast. Normally it's recorded on Monday and it comes out on Tuesday, the cutting room floor. So I actually stayed up after that game and I was like, you know what? I'm just going to, I was like so pumped. I was like freaking out and the house is quiet. I couldn't be too loud. Everyone's sleeping. So I ended up just doing my podcast uh, that night. Uh, It was, I was up till like three o'clock in the morning. It it was crazy. It was absolutely crazy. Uh, But Hey, that's, that's the NFL sometimes. Uh, yeah, the NFL is uh, as crazy a league as you're going to find in the world, especially a, a single elimination playoff, uh, unlike what any of the other major uh, North American sports. So truly anything could happen. Now, like we talked about with Joe, the Steelers aren't supposed to win this game. It, they weren't even supposed to be here to begin with. Um, is there any shot they win this game? Or is this is this Big Ben Swan song and we should just enjoy it for what it is, an extra game here in 2021 slash 22? Well, Mike, uh, what do you what do you think? Like the mathematical odds that the Steelers win this game is? Well, it I, doesn't I, matter what the odds are. You just Dwayne Johnson. What I gotta me. say, I just I just went there, right? I just yeah. went there. Uh, screw the odds. Shock the world. Go win this game. It's one game. Uh, really, to me, we're not we're not the Steelers aren't playing with house money. They're playing with like monopoly money that they've somehow convinced people is real money. Like this is big, <laughs> yeah. like the the level at which the Steelers do not belong in this playoffs, right? 
This is not a playoff team. This is a rebuilding team starting tons of rookies so they'll have experience next year and can improve and we can see what we have so we can build an offensive line for the next quarterback. And we're in the playoffs. It's absurd. But so for to me, really, my, my thought on the whole thing right there is all I want from this Steelers team is at the end of the game to say, okay, we left it all on the field, win or lose. Obviously, man, I want them to win. I'm going to be like freaking out during this game. For some reason, us not like the, the, the odds of us being there and how we're not supposed to be there has made me more excited for this game. And I'm going to be like so intense for this game. Uh, and I think part of it is afterwards, if we lose, I'm going to be like, all right, you know, as long as I can sit there and say they left everything on the field, I'm going to be pumped after the game. I'll be like, great season. You know, I, I want to see it. And to me, the other, the other big thing is this is, it's one more game with Ben Roethlisberger as our quarterback. And I was, I was, uh, shoot, I was 25 when they drafted him. Right. I, it was, um, it was amazing. I've, the whole storyline, everything, just just one more game with Ben Roethlisberger is my story. And if we win this one, we get one more. You know, and if they win that one, they get one more. So as many games as we can get out of this, love it. I, and I, I hope we see it. But even if we don't, man, I just want to see these guys put everything out there, leave it all on the field, and give it their best shot. Now, you dropping your rock impression got me absolutely roasting the, in the live chat here. This is from Amanda Stanier. Michael trying to do math when Jeffrey asked him what the odds are. Goodness gracious, Jeffrey Benedict. Yeah, my, my brain was uh, starting to spin there like a hamster wheel. But anyway, this game, I didn't even flame you for coming in late. I was nice. I yeah. was nice. I just, just a nice guy. Anyway, yeah. getting into this game. I'm Canadian. What can I say? Uh, ben Roethlisberger, of course, like – statistically it's one of his worst seasons of his career. Like we, we can be adults about it. Like the stats don't lie. The numbers are there. Uh, it's, it, it's just, it hasn't been great for big Ben. And, and like, it's been a fun ride, but is there any reason to believe he could dial the clocks back for one more game? Or, or do we have to rely on like Najee Harris going off? Like he did against the Cleveland Browns or TJ Watt having four sacks to win this game. Does it have to be someone else or could big Ben will this team to a game? I don't think Ben. I don't think Ben Roethlisberger has that in him. Mm. Uh, his game against Cleveland was the lowest yards per attempt he has ever he had ever posted in his career, and we've seen some bad games from Ben Roethlisberger. We saw him in the playoffs when he was a rookie, uh, 2004 against the Jets when he was just absolutely terrible, and the Steelers still won the game when he. And, you know, there have been games where he's been bad. He has never had a lower yards per attempt, even in 2019. When he was playing hurt and was terrible, that was the lowest yards per attempt of his career. It was a little better in Baltimore, but it wasn't good. Um, I think partly we could see some of that being him stating that it was the end. This is one of my theories about him is the minute he said, you know what? Yeah, this is my last game at Heinz Field, right? And he goes out. And it wasn't good. It was one of the worst games of his career. Yeah. And then the Ravens is his last, it's his last game. Not very good. Uh, I think that kind of, you know, broke his routine, broke his mental preparation. He's kind of taken in the scene of the game. He's kind of enjoying the moment, trying to do that. So, and that's not his normal preparation. 
right? Like Ben Roethlisberger says, or like when Mike Tomlin said, when everyone else is is upset and everyone gets tight, Ben Roethlisberger is the same guy, right? I love that line from it. He was always the same guy. Well, he wasn't for two games. I think what we could see here is he's cut loose. If he, like you saw, if he, people saw his, his press conference, if you haven't, go watch it. It was phenomenal. He, he knows he's playing with house money. This is it. This is every game he plays right now is his last game. And he's, he's already passed. He's already passed his time. He's accomplished what he wanted to do. He beat the Ravens. He beat the Browns. He put both of them down in the, below the Steelers in the standings, you know, reestablished dominance in the AFC North in his last season there. I mean, he swept the Browns and the Ravens in his last season when he was supposedly done. Like, that's phenomenal. So for me, I think this could be a bounce-back game for him. I just don't know how good it can be. And to me, I, I, I'm going to lean with what, what Joe said. TJ Watt coming off of Patrick Mahomes' right, making him chase off to the left. Uh, when he was talking about rushing slowly and progressively, that's what the Steelers do. That's their containment rush. If they stay true to that, if you get Chris Wormley not you know ad-libbing and staying in his lane where he's supposed to be, that's the recipe, right? TJ Watt couldn't do that with his cracked ribs the first time. But that's the recipe, and that's where I think it happens is, is if the, the Chiefs get away, don't, don't run the ball, and they get into pass-happy Patrick Mahomes land, and TJ Watt is getting pressure and force him off to his left, that's when the Steelers can do something. That's when the defense can make some plays. Something can happen. Yeah, that's really what it's going to take. Um, offensively, though, would you be disappointed if they didn't have any trick plays in the ar- arsenal? I-, I feel like the Steelers, if they're ever going to pull out all the stops, like why not? They're like, mm-hmm. like uh, I feel like if there's not something wacky that forces the Chiefs to play off, like, like a double pass or, or something like a staple of the Ben Roethlisberger era. There used to be like a handful of times per year they'd run trick plays from Ken Wisenhunt uh, to uh, oh, excuse, Bruce Arians, mm-hmm. uh, and, et cetera. Todd Haley. It was it was a facet of every offense, even with with Big Ben at the helm, running the like the trick play. There's typically about four per year, I'd say, and like it hasn't really been a thing under Randy Feekner and Matt Canada. I, I feel like the Steelers need to just kind of throw anything they can. At the, at the wall. And any, even if it means winning a greasy game, who cares? You won the game. Well, I saw some comments saying people wanted the the other punter, Cor- Williamson. Uh, Whitman. Corliss Whitman. Whitman. That, there we go. Thank you. I could not remember his name to save my life. Uh, they wanted him for the punter. Has everyone forgotten? Percy Harvin, touchdown, throwing, punter. I think that could come into play. I think we could see that finally get thrown out. Um, yeah, that's what I mean. Leave it all on the field. But you know, you know what I want to see? I want to see them attack. Obviously they couldn't do it against the Ravens. The Ravens have some of the best interior run defense in the NFL. They're really good at it. But what the Steelers did against the Browns, when they just ran straight up the middle on the Browns and really crushed the Browns with that. And the Browns are, the Browns honestly have a better run defense than the Chiefs. Still going to worry about Chris Jones though. Yeah, but you attack him in the run game, man. That's what you do. You go after him. You double team him. You know, get him out of the lane and run, run off of it. Uh, I I would like to see that. I'd rather run at Chris Jones than try and run around him. He's too he's too athletic. Uh, 
So that's that would be my strategy. I want to see him run straight up the middle. I want to see him just go run at the Chiefs. I really wish Kevin Dotson was back. That's 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 been heartbreaking this whole season. I love Kevin Dotson. That that line started getting going and he was out. Can't get him back. But I I want to see this team run that right up the middle at the Chiefs. And if they can establish that early, man, that if you can establish that and you can get pressure with TJ Watt, you have a chance. You have a chance. This is actually something interesting from Steelers Pittsburgh. He says, Chase Claypool throwing a pass. Now, the Steelers kind of set this up to a degree. Uh, Chase Claypool, I believe he he was just eclipsed at the end of the game by Najee Harris to be the leading rusher against the Baltimore Ravens. He took a number of carries around the edge. Chase Claypool, having known him, I know he throws the ball with his left hand. So if you see him streaking from right to left, taking a handoff, I wouldn't be surprised. If you were to uh, throw, try to throw one down the field, it wouldn't surprise me in the slightest. So uh, the, like that's definitely an option and, and one that I've kind of been waiting for because I, I know he he definitely does have a bit of an arm. And if you look at his high school uh, highlight tape, I think he has a couple uh, deep touchdown passes throwing across the field. So that is definitely one to look out for. And I think the Steelers really are going to throw absolutely everything at the wall to see what it sticks. Because like, why not? You're not supposed to be here. Like Jeffrey Benedict said, monopoly money, funny money, phony baloney. They're not supposed to be here. They're not, but they are here. And you know what? If, if this team can actually like go out there and win a football game, it, it, it'll be like a party in Pittsburgh. Kansas City might burn, but it would be an absolutely crazy game if the Steelers are able to pull this one off. And like, like it's been said a couple times this podcast, anything is possible in the NFL in the playoffs. It's any given Sunday. Patrick Mahomes throws a couple interceptions. They make a Fitzpatrick just goes off, or they can't stop T.J. Watt. Could the Steelers win? Absolutely. You have two defensive touchdowns. You're probably guaranteed to win a football game if that happens. Heck, Jeffrey's been predicting it all year long that Steelers defense is going to score a touchdown, and it's never happened. But who knows? It could happen this week. I'm sure Jeffrey might predict it when we get into our final scores, which... Considering the time, it's a probably a pretty good time to get into that. So, Jeffrey Benedict, who is winning this wild card, this super wild card weekend football game between the Pittsburgh Steelers and Kansas City Chiefs in Arrowhead Stadium? You know what? I'm I'm going Steelers to win this. Uh, I'm going to go with the defensive touchdown. I think that has to happen. So I, I think I'm it. jinxing us there. But uh, I'm going to go with 24 to 20. I have said this to a couple people. Uh, this game is either going to be the Chiefs by 30 or the Steelers by three. Like, like really, I, f- I feel like it goes one way or the other. And, like, it, if it's a tight game, I feel like Kansas City starts to fold because it's, like, mentally, like, we're supposed to kill these guys. These guys suck. And that messes with you as a competitor. Like, they're not supposed to be in this game. And, like, I I would I would pick the Chiefs if this was the regular season. And I did in that game. I picked the Chiefs to win a blowout. And that's exactly how the game played out. But it's the wild card weekend. The Steelers are playing with house money. You're damn right I'm picking the Pittsburgh Steelers to win this game. And they're going to win by three points. And it's going to be crazy. And people's faces are going to melt. I think the Pittsburgh Steelers have a weird score. I feel like they miss an extra point but make a bunch of field goals. I think they're going to have 18 points on offense. And the Kansas City Chiefs will have 14. They'll win by four. Give me the Pittsburgh Steelers winning a damn game on wild card Sunday. Why the heck not? Give me the Pittsburgh Steelers. They're going to win another low-scoring game. 
And they're going to move on to play the Tennessee Titans, who they've already beat this year, and go on this miracle run and uh, just watch it happen. But before I'll step off my, my milk carton, uh, Jeffrey Benedict, uh, is there anything you want to plug for the people? Yes. Uh, we have – Dave and I have a really good Vertex uh, coming out. Our our last – I want to bring this up. Our, yes, our Vertex from the Browns game, TJ Watt wrecked the Browns game, was mentioned on national television today. Uh, that was, that was, it was referenced on, what was it? First things first on NFL network. That was a great time for me. Got some right out of that. Got to show my kids that their dad's article was referenced. They're like, dad, I didn't even say your name. I'm like, well, of course they didn't say my name, but they referenced my article, uh, and Dave, but our new vertex is going to be phenomenal. It is about the Steelers run game and specifically is going into how the Steelers give up big runs, but don't lose. Like we, one of my favorite stats this year is the Steelers gave up three, 200 plus rushing yards, three times this season. And they were two zero and one in those games. They did not lose a game when they gave up 200 yards rushing. I don't know if that's a new strategy in the NFL or something, but it's the first time that's ever happened that a team has given up 200 yards three times in a season or more and didn't lose a game of them. Didn't lose one of those. This is the first time in NFL history we cover why that is the case and how the Steelers can give up big rushes and also, you know, get still get stops. That's coming out tomorrow. So look for that one. And as all, hey, you know what? First and foremost, I have something different to plug as well. Uh, I guess a kind of a side personal project for, for those of you that don't already know my, uh, my really my, my other career as a uh, uh, British Columbia police officer has just kicked off. And I was tasked with, thank you very much, uh, I was tasked with uh, documenting the experience at the Justice Institute of British Columbia um, over on Twitter. So if you have any interest in uh, following along my journey through uh, school here, you can do so by following uh, that Twitter page, at Michael Beck APD. Um, and uh, yeah, no, we can uh, we can go through that together, of course. But um, getting back to the Steelers side of things, um, of course, you want to click over to BehindTheSteelCurtain.com. It should be your one-stop shop for all things Pittsburgh Steelers. If you're listening on the podcast platform right now, you've heard that phrase from every single podcast because that, that's truly what it is, the one-stop shop for all things Pittsburgh Steelers, from breaking news, those injury reports, uh, top 10 lists, you name it. It's available on BTSC. So click over to BehindTheSteelCurtain.com. And once again, if you're watching on YouTube and Facebook, you're still only getting about a third of the story uh, search anywhere you get your podcast behind the steel curtain uh, will pop up. Uh, if you can leave five stars, subscribe, hit that like button, what have you, anything you can do to support our channel, we can bring more great content to each and every one of you. So thank you so much for your time this evening. Uh, the Pittsburgh Steelers and Kansas City Chiefs will rock Sunday night football. Hopefully, who knows, next week we could be talking about a matchup with the Titans. We could be talking about off-season strategy. It's going to be fun. So uh, hang tight. It's never a dull moment in the world of the Pittsburgh Steelers. So for my co-host, Jeffrey Benedict, my name is Michael Beck. We will catch you guys soon. Yeah.